Hi and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I am your host. Today's episode is a bit different. I thought to have a conversation about all that's been going on in Nigeria with SARS and honestly my tired is tired. Like so many in my generation, I'm a millennial. I feel really disappointed, angry, and I feel that Nigeria has filled us and consistently fills us. The events in the last week have been quite triggering, forcing me to look back and really evaluate Nigeria's social and economic progress or lack thereof. 25 years ago, 1995 in October, so really this time 25 years ago precisely, my family, we were victim to really police brutality. And this was as a result of endemic corruption and disgusting collusion within the police force. And this happened October 1st on Independence Day. And it was this incident that prompted our relocating to the UK. So we left shortly after that, really fleeing for our safety. And the irony that this happened on Independence Day, right? I was eight years old. And I remember being woken up by our living nanny at like 1 a.m. in the morning, who was petrified. And her words were, Amrabaza here, Amrabaza here. And those were the most dreaded words at that time, because night after night, we would hear robberies in the neighborhood. We would hear shootings. We would hear screaming. We would hear people crying. And at social gatherings, like at family and friends, birthday parties and different gatherings of the like, I would often want to be where the adults were because that's where all the juice was happening. They would always be talking about really interesting things. So I would overhear them talking about incidents, armed robbery incidents that had happened to people that they knew. I wasn't supposed to be there. I had snuck in, you know, to listen to the juice. And I would listen to them debate on how they would deal with the situation if worst were to happen, worst being an armed robbery attack in their homes. So to cut a long story short, on that 1st of October 95, we had 30 men that came into our home. They were armed. They shot and killed a number of our pets. They attacked my father with a machete, slashed his head. They raped our house helps. And it was a day that would forever shape my life. What does this have to do with SARS? It has everything to do with SARS. When we were retracing our steps at the time, my mom was trying to file a police report. What we unearthed was disgusting and completely shocking. There were sightings of police bringing these armed men in their police vehicles and dropping them off a couple of streets away from our house. 
And then there were sightings of these men getting back into the vehicle after they had attacked us and being carted off. I will never forget, they came in, most of them had no shoes, some were half naked with no shirts, and they literally were wearing shoes that they found in our house and wearing clothes from my dad's wardrobe. It turns out these men were prisoners in the cells, in the police cells. The policemen would round them up every night to look for someone to attack, take money, take jewellery, whatever they could find of value to share with the police. So you see, 25 years later and NSARS, it's just the beginning. The heart of our issue in Nigeria is deep, deep economic inequalities that have been fortressed by institutionalized corruption. The powers that be, they thrive off this endemic poverty and they seek to perpetuate this very poverty as it gives them a source of power. If we're going to war, we have to know our enemy so that we can disarm this enemy effectively and not be fooled by false hope. Police brutality, SARS violence, etc., etc., these are the fruits, they're not the roots. And so, as the marches happened last week, on the first day on Saturday, I was numb, completely numb. And I was asking myself, why do I feel so disattached? I realized that, you know, the word of God says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And that's where I was. Um, a friend of mine often says that being an African, living in Africa is an extreme sport. And indeed it is. <laughs> it feels like everything is a war. To have electricity is a war. To have economic opportunities is a war. To stay alive is a war. And there's this very horrible sense that our preceding generation failed us and are failing us now, Right? It's so easy to stay in this state of despondency and severe hopelessness that one may question, what is the point of action, right? Because we may be back here again. Like I said, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, it's as a result of always looking forward to something, always expecting something in the near future. And whatever that thing is being perpetually delayed and delayed. And it not materializing or this perpetual delay puts our hearts in a state of disappointment or it becoming sick, so to speak. So when I was reflecting, I realized that that was what it was. That's why I was just kind of numb. By Sunday, I realized that the source of my numbness was the fact that acknowledging all that was going on, the marches, the Twitter campaigns, everything, it was really triggering. It was reminding me of that horrible incident that happened to us back in October 1995. I mean, I have so many things to be thankful for from that incident. My father was alive. You know, no one was killed, just our pets, obviously. But we were all quite traumatized. I remember my dad in particular would wake up every day at one in the morning at the time when these men broke into the house, right? And he would stay downstairs by the entrance door to the house and he would vow that 
never again will his family's security be threatened. And if anyone's going to return to the house, he will put his life on the line to protect his family. How how traumatizing must that have been for him, right? Just thinking now as a young mom, and he was probably around the same age I am now. I just can't imagine my husband having to go through something so horrific. And we kids, yeah, it had an impact on us as well. Months later, my dad secretly planned our escape to the UK (laughs) to relocate to the UK as he just couldn't bear the psychological toll of him feeling like his family were constantly in danger. And we circle back 25 years later and we're back here, right? On Independence Day this year, 1st of October um, this year, Nigeria turned 60, right? And I saw a quote, a tweet by Kola Oyeni that literally reflected everything that was on my heart at the time. He said, 60 years after Independence Day, can we Nigerians really say that we are happy? (laughs) And can we say that we are independent? So why are we wishing each other happy Independence Day? By every metric possible, Nigeria has deteriorated over the last 60 years. And so I ask myself, 25 years from now, where will we be? You know, what can we do as our generation? I know we are angry, we're heartbroken, we are deeply disappointed in the elder gen, and rightly so. The challenge I see is that if we're not careful, we may may channel our anger wrongfully and actually cause greater divisions within our country. We may end up pointing fingers at one another and create this them versus us mentality. We really don't need that. What we need is deep collaboration. We as a generation were impatient at the elder generation, seemingly in action, seemingly apathy to the causes that deeply affect us. But the thing is, if we don't deal with that hurt that we feel and heal from that pain, we may end up building fortresses of offense and deep-seated divisions along lines of age. What we need, we need to collaborate with the older folks. They are influential. We need them to dismantle the enemy that is the evil forces within government. We need a dismantling and a remantling, if that's even a word. (laughs) And we can't do it alone. We have a population, right? 83% of us are millennials and below, but we lack the influence. It's the truth. We all know this. The influence is in the hands of the elders, not necessarily even those that are in government, even those that are outside of government. We need them. How can we get them to understand our plight and champion our cause? I think we need to listen to them. We need to empathize with them. It's difficult. I know. I saw a tweet by Jamil Toyo and he said when he hears older folks speak on the NSARS issue, he, he recognizes that there's been profound damage done to their psyches by lifetime under military repression. And a lot of these older folks, they can't even fathom that the police doesn't need to be this blunt or this violent or that. They can't fathom that we young people were fighting, were resisting because that was completely unheard of in their time. 
And I 1,000, 1 million percent agree with Jamil's statement. It can be infuriating, right? But there's truth in it because many of us, I don't really remember military rule growing up. We were too young. You know, the older folks, they were conditioned to follow the prescribed mold. If you deviate from the prescribed mold, your life may be on the line. So they tend to stay silent on matters of injustice because they watched others being victimized for using their voices. And I think many are deeply despondent, actually. They've given up on a better Nigeria. We have a lot to lose, right, as the young ones, by by them giving up. Our future is at stake and our children's futures are at stake. So let's be patient. Let's try to influence and persuade those we know personally through conversation, encouraging them to lend and use their privilege towards advancing social change. The truth is, We are a collective humanity. We're all connected by each other's experiences. We can see that the disproportionate gain of those that loot our public coffers, it's not without consequence, right? It has a negative and social and economic impact on all of us. And this negative ill effects, it cannot be escaped by the rich. We as family business owners, we need to start thinking deeply about how can we create empowering economic opportunities for all. Empowering economic opportunities are not handouts. (laughs) Those are unsustainable. How can we create enterprises that advance social and environmental change while still making a profit? So we have sustainability, right? And I appreciate that the economic landscape is tough. The business conditions are difficult and they're not friendly to even us family business owners. I know it. But I believe that it is our responsibility to fight for the nation that we want. It's our responsibility to come together, to create a common voice, to be active with advocacy so that we do create this environment such that we do thrive. Right? Because it's not about us. It's about the millions of Nigerians that are marginalized and disenfranchised. Nigeria is failing. It breaks my heart to say it, but Nigeria is failing. And we must urgently do something to turn the situation around. Our children deserve a better world. 25 years from now, it must be said that we were the generation that turned things around. But that can only happen if we come together and collaborate. My prayer is that God would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care and God bless you.